You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. Okay, this is my first video using this phone, so I'm not really sure if I'm doing this right. But this is a mouse I caught with a humane mouse trap, And I wanted everyone to see it because I think it's the right thing to do if you have mice or a mouse in your house. Now I'm just gonna... I don't know if I should put my finger in there. I'm just gonna pull this lever and... Oh! Oh! There he goes! There goes the mouse! And he's fine. The mouse is fine. He didn't have to die. And now he's free! Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. And today, we are going to talk about mice. Mises. Mises. <laughs> Little mices. But first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. So, a traveler who wanted to bring her support animal with her on a flight from Newark, New Jersey to Los Angeles, California, across the nation, called ahead to United Airlines. She asked if she could bring her support animal on board. The airline told her no, so she did what people do. She brought it to the airport with her anyway. And even though the traveler offered to buy the animal its own plane ticket, the airline still refused because the animal did not meet the guidelines due to its weight and size. The animal in question? A very large male emotional support peacock. (laughs) So airlines have allowed some passengers with emotional or psychiatric problems to take therapy animals on board with them. Like in 2014, when a woman was escorted off a U.S. Airways flight, when her pig named Hobie defecated and started squealing even before the plane took off. As for the peacock and its owner, after six hours at the airport, they decided to drive cross-country rather than fly. And if you want to know what a peacock might sound like on an airplane, this is what a peacock sounds like. Yes, no, I will take the seat next to the crying baby, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think I prefer the peacock, (laughs) honestly. That peacock is huge. Did you see the picture of it? I did, but I'm just saying, if it was a question of the crying baby versus the peacock, yeah, the peacock wins every time. No, <laughs> because look, if the peacock has the window seat and you're on the aisle, <laughs> you better put your tray table down because that peacock's going to make a duty and it's going to go on your lap or in your shoes. <laughs> Yeah, but he's probably going to stop crying at some point. And little babies are like, my ears are killing me. What is going on? We're all going to die. That's why they don't stop. Because they're like, my ears, oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so if you were to take an emotional support animal on a plane with you that wasn't like the standard dog or cat, and the airplane, the airline could not tell you no, what would you bring? Hmm. A support animal, probably some kind of burb, I would imagine. Some kind of little parrot or parakeet or something. A little one, right? Not yeah, a huge a little peacock. Tiny one. Like well, maybe one of those little thumb-sized parrot guys. <laughs> Remember those guys? Sure. Little thumb parrot, whatever. Uh, yeah, I'd take that. I'm bringing a honey badger. A honey badger. I'm bringing no. a honey badger. They're great. Yeah, they're not getting off the plane without just destroying everything, though. So I know. That would be great. That would be like the most <laughs> interesting flight ever. You'd have plenty of elbow room, lots of space, nobody bothering you. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt's really tall, so he might agree with you. Like, destroy all the seats. I need more legroom. <laughs> I don't understand why if she wanted to take her peacock with her. That she couldn't put get it in a kennel, and I mean, don't people travel with peacocks sometimes? 
I don't know. I've never seen that before, but the peacock is... She wanted the peacock on the plane with her in her seat or next to her. That thing is... It's got to be four feet long. I don't think that that's going to work. No. (laughs) She probably could travel with him if she got him a kennel and everything. The right kind of kennel. And I'm sure there's a way to travel with a peacock. I'm sure there is. Maybe. I mean, they have to accommodate all sorts of stuff um, on planes. So who knows? Well, apparently they don't. They said no. We do not have to accommodate a peacock. <laughs> no, but she probably didn't. I mean, they didn't have time to organize it. I'm sure that yeah. if she'd paid, if gotten the right kind of kennel, gotten the right kind of papers from the vet, all that, there's probably a legal way to do it, but not the way that she did it. It can't just ride <laughs> in the seat beside you with its tail, like, sticking out into the aisle and stuff. <laughs> Where's it going to go on the plane? Oh, I'll put him in the overhead compartment. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna happen. People, uh, are, people are weird. Yes. Ah, it's totally throwing me off my game. You people are so strange out there. Oh, <laughs> I just wonder how weird I must be in reality that I don't realize. You know, so when stuff like that happens, it's like this person is really odd. I wonder if I'm that weird. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. All right, so ha- just a reminder, go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast.gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a nice little rating and review. And every episode, we have Pinterest we have a Pinterest board dedicated to the animal that we're talking about that day, and you can get to that by going to, I think it's Pinterest.com slash podcast or something, but there's a link to it at the bottom of our show notes, so um, I'd like to keep that up. <sighs> all right, let's talk about mice. We need to get back on our game. I'm all rambly. <laughs> let's talk about mice and stuff. The kingdom of animals is fascinating. Now I'm going to tell you about their behavior and living pattern. So come on! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? We are blathering about mice today. You might be saying, didn't they already? Nope. We talked about rats in episode number 34. Rats. Rats. Uh, You don't need to listen to that episode to understand this episode, though. But, you know, go check it out. Mice are related to rats. They share the same family of rodentia or rodents, but they are of a different genus and genetically they're just a completely different animal. Mice are found literally everywhere in the world. And it's, I I think, except Antarctica. I don't think there are any mice in Antarctica, but literally on every continent, every island, there's going to be mice. There are surprisingly few species of mice. There's only about 40 different species of mice, but they have all sorts of cool adaptations that enable them to live in deserts and forests and cities and just about everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're actually native to Eurasia and Africa. But as trade routes began to develop between Africa and India and the rest of the world, mice just went along for the ride on the ship, and that's how they spread abroad. Yep. They are generally a small, round, gray to brownish-gray rodent with pointed snouts and rounded ears. Across all species, they are between 2 to 4 inches long, or about 5 to 10 centimeters, and they weigh about an ounce when they're full-grown. The English word mouse is derived from the Old Germanic word mus, M-U-S, which also happens to be the name of the genus they belong to, and it just means mouse. (laughs) A male mouse is called a buck, a female is called a doe, and baby mice are called pinkies. And a group of mice is called a mischief or a nest. You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. I am going to talk about today the little harvest mouse. These guys are pretty cool. They are a little tiny mouse that lives in tropical and subtropical regions and prefers habitats that have tall grasses around. So that includes high meadows, reed grasses, bushlands, stuff like that. They make a home in rice fields where in the parts of the world where that is happening. And their population density is pretty high in their favored environments, but it, you know, they have to fight humans for space, basically. So mm-hmm. the reason they're interesting is because 
they make a little, the female makes a little burrow. She weaves a burrow out of the grasses to have a house for her babies. So <laughs> I just thought oh, that was wow. really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Most mice, most mices, mices, most of these little guys, most mice <laughs> live in little underground burrows or something like that. But she actually makes a burrow that she climbs up the grass and makes it sort of, it's in air. It's like a treehouse made of grass. For, oh, that's very cool. Mice. Yeah. So it's huh. pretty cool. So <laughs> I saw a cool documentary about mice, and they had a feature of this little harvest mouse. And they had a combine harvester that was coming along behind. <laughs> and he's like, she doesn't have very long to raise these babies because <laughs> here comes the combine harvester. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Eek. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but they are pretty cool. They are really small. They range in size from 55 to 75 millimeters or 2 to 3 inches long. And their tail is usually 50 to 75 millimeters or uh, 2 to 3 inches long. So they have pretty long tails. And, uh, yeah, they look like... Otherwise, they pretty much just look like a mice. Little mices. <laughs> little mices. Little mices. But Where did they that come liked... from? Was that an old cartoon? Mises? I'm going to tear know. those mices to pieces or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. But we I just always know. call them mices in my family, so. I don't oh. Know. Yeah. It's probably a toddler word. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know the rule. If a toddler calls something by a name, then you have to call it by that for the rest of your life. And yep. That's just the rule. And I think for us... I think that's what it was, but I mean, other people have said it, so probably it's a shared <laughs> toddler word. I don't know. <laughs> so mice have a lot of the same characteristics as a lot of rodents, and we've talked about a lot of rodents. There but, are a lot of rodents. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we kind of don't have any choice. Yeah. yeah. So one thing that people like me get confused about is being able to tell mice and rats apart, and I honestly really didn't know the difference until I started researching the two of them, but now it's pretty it's pretty obvious to me now. So just the differences between mice and rats is what I'm doing. And the most obvious difference is size. Yeah. Mice are generally no longer than about four inches long. So if you see a rodent longer than four inches, it's probably a rat. If yeah. you had a rat and a mouse that were roughly the same size and you had one in each hand and you didn't completely freak out and throw them <laughs> And you flipped them over, you would see that the rat has six pairs of nipples and a mouse has five pairs of nipples. Hmm. Genetically, mice and rats are completely different. So greatly that mice and rats cannot interbreed and create little hybrid mouse-rat rodents. They just are not compatible in any way. And in fact, if you were to put a mice and a rat in the same cage to see what would happen, the rat would kill and eat the mouse every time. Yeah, I was going to guess that. Like, yeah, yeah they'd be dead because the rat would eat it. Yep. In fact, rat urine is sometimes used by researchers as a predator odor. So when they want to study anxiety and anti-predator behavior in mice, they'll use rat urine or some other rat scent. Mm -hmm. One of the big differences between mice and rats is behaviorally. So behaviorally, generally speaking, mice are very curious and rats are very cautious. So if you have one or the other in your house and you want to trap them, you have to go about it differently because rats are very careful and they will choose to avoid new things in their path until they've had time to get used to them being there. And because of this, you have to place unset traps in the rat's path before putting set traps there. Mm -hmm. Whereas mice, on the other hand, are very curious and they'll investigate anything new. So all you have to do is just the opposite. Just put the trap and put it, get a trap, put it right in its path and it'll go right in it every time. Right. Mice also breed a lot more than rats. Boy, do they. Yeah. <laughs> a single female can have between five and ten litter litters every year, and immediately after giving birth, a female mouse can become pregnant again. And each one of those five to ten litters consists of five to six young that are sexually mature. Well, didn't you say they're the peel and eat shrimp of the animal kingdom? Yes. <laughs> they're like the big tray of peel and eat shrimp at the Chinese buffet that is the animal kingdom. Yeah. 
And yeah, everything eats mice, birds of prey, other rodents, reptiles, dogs, cats, everything. So one way that they have adapted to combat that is to just make a lot, a lot of little genetic copies of themselves. And in a year's time, two mice can become 60 mice. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's never just two. <laughs> oh, no, no, there isn't. We'll get into that, <laughs> into the animal facts part of the show. But man, oh, man. <laughs> yes, I've had experience with these creatures. And I got to tell you, there's a cartoony aspect to, you know how in old cartoons, the lady's always on top of the chair screaming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I actually do that. <laughs> And to be fair, it's not a girly thing because I know men who will do it too. Because <laughs> they are freaky. They're so fast. And you're like, ah, where are they? And you want to get out of the way so that your cat doesn't run over your feet and shred your, you know, shred your toes as they're going <laughs> by. Because <laughs> they're little whirlwinds or whatever. Little claw tornadoes as they run after these mice and stuff. So, ah, but yeah, they're freaky. I definitely have always like, Ah, I'm getting on this chair. I gotta let the cat... (laughs) Get it, kitty! (laughs) Well, the Varmints podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence, but then we only really have the yardstick of ourselves to go by, so we're gonna do it anyway. Hmm. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Intelligence on a scale of 1 to 10. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I wrote in my note, I don't care. I, honestly, this is, the, this is the only animal that I have struggled to find some sort of positive thing about them. Because as I said, I've had, I've had mice infestations. And once you've tolerated a mice infest, an infestation and come out on the other side of it, your attitude about them will not be the same <laughs> as it was before. And I'll talk about it, but yeah. Um, I've never thought about how intelligent they are. I think it probably matters for, there, there's a lot of laboratory tests that they use them for. So that's important. And I, I hope that they're treated. I just saw an article the other day that I tried to capture and I just wasn't able to, to get it with all that was going on in the house, but there's, people trying to make sure that laboratory mice have better lives, that they have stuff in their cages to do and stuff, so that when they're running around doing their tests, they have somewhere to go back to that makes them happy. Yeah. Like like fun little toys to play with and stuff, like you would have a pet mouse, because there's evidence that lab mice perform better in an environment uh, that is pleasing to them, which totally makes sense to me, so... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I want them to have happy lives. I just want them to do it not in my house. <laughs> there was a really interesting article in the Atlantic.com that talked about how researchers used to think that mice were not as smart as rats, but they're actually every bit as smart as rats. And they learn just as quick and they're as useful for research as rats are. Mm-hmm. So whatever we gave rats, that's what I'm giving mice. I don't remember what we gave rats. They were pretty smart, though. Yeah. I think we gave him maybe a seven or an eight. I don't remember. Somewhere in there. Yeah. I won't ask you for style points. Well, I mean. <laughs> I think I, I'm just going to admit that I have bias. <laughs> and it is going to be a really hard bias to get over. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about it later when we get to the more facts part yes. of the show. So. Okay. Well, yeah, we are going to talk about more facts about mice and mice and pop culture, but we're going to do that right after this message. Do you like movies? Get busy living or get busy dying. Mr. Anderson. Life, uh, finds a way. TV? A girl has no name. Soft kitty, warm kitty. You didn't think I'd just disappear, did you? Music? Hello. All my friends are heathens, take it slow. Video games? It's me, Mario. Get over here! Hey, listen! If you love geeking out about your pop culture passions, See Here's the Thing may be the podcast for you. Join me and my co-host Patrick as we dive into a weekly digest of news clips about movies, TV, video games, theater, and more. 
Special guests, improv games, and terrible celebrity impersonations abound in our weekly episodes published directly on Podomatic. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Google+, and Pinterest. See, here's the thing. It's where humor and pop culture collide. And now for something completely different. Hey, you know, Donna and I, we're just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often. Although apparently Donna has some close encounters with mice now and then. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time on movies, TV, and video games. And a lot of times I like to go with the most obvious pop culture mouse. And this week, the the most obvious choice was so obvious and so universal that I couldn't I couldn't do it. So neither Donna or I have a mouse named Mickey that we're going to talk about this week, because I feel like everybody already knows quite a bit about Mickey Mouse. Yeah. So we both have cartoon mice, though, and uh, mine is this. Jude, Ray, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. Elaboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. They're Pinky. They're Pinky and the Brain. Brain, 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 brain. Before each night is done, their plan will be unfurled by the dawning of the sun. They'll take over the world. They're Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. Their twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overthrow the earth. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain. Brain, 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 So that is the theme song to Pinky and the Brain, which was an American animated television series. It was the first animated television series to be presented in Dolby Surround Sound. Hmm. The characters first appeared in 1993 as a recurring segment on the cartoon Animaniacs, and it was later picked up as its own series due to its popularity. It had 65 episodes produced. As you heard in the theme song, Pinky and the Brain are genetically enhanced laboratory mice who reside in a cage in the Acme Labs research facility. Brain is very self-centered and scheming. Pinky is good-natured but feeble-minded, and in each episode, Brain devises a new plan to take over the world, but usually it ends in failure. Usually, to Pinky's idiocy, the impossibility of the Brain's plan, Brain's own arrogance, or just circumstances beyond their control. In common with many other Animaniacs shorts, many episodes are in some way of a parody of something else, usually a film or a novel, and that makes them really funny for like the, the adults that might be watching. The Brain is voiced by an Emmy Award-winning voice actor called Maurice LaMarche, who has done work for cartoons and video games. He might be best known for his work on the TV show Futurama, where he voices several of the characters on that show, and The Brain's voice is based on Orson Welles. Pinky is voiced by another Emmy Award-winning voice actor called Rob Paulson, who it's hard to say what he's best known for because he has done so much voice work in video games and especially animated television for the last few decades that it's hard to even know where to start. If you've watched a cartoon, his voice was probably in it somewhere, or a commercial or a video game. And so he was inspired by Monty Python's Flying Circus for his voicing of Pinky. Yes. So Pinky and the Brain was marketed and presented as a kid's show, but like a lot of really great kids' shows, much of the humor was aimed at adults. There was a lot of pop culture and a lot of political parody that went on in the show that maybe would have been lost on a younger viewer, but certainly not on their parents if they happened to be watching the show too. So it was a really good show, really funny. It's also sort of, sort of embedded itself in culture because people will always say, what are we going to do tonight, Brain? <laughs> and then somebody else will say, try to t- same thing we do every night, Pinky, try to take over the world. <laughs> I love that. Yes. <laughs> you were very surprised that I had never seen any of your pop culture pick. Yeah, for sure. So my pick was Danger Mouse. 
and I have a serious uh, love affair with Danger Mouse. I love <laughs> Danger Mouse. I have a friend that I met because of Danger Mouse. At, at some point in the future, we will have this friend on. His name is Bill, and he is a beekeeper, and he's going to come on with us at some point in the future and talk about honeybees. But I met him when I was 15, and I was in the school lunch line, and I, we don't even remember who was singing the Danger Mouse song, but we were both singing the Danger Mouse song, and we like it was like a musical. We like sang to each other in the lunch line, and like, do you love Danger Mouse? I love Danger Mouse. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! So nice to meet you. And then we became friends, and we've been friends ever since. Oh, so. I love that. That's sweet. Yeah, and so really sweet, fun memories of just you know the '80s and all that kind of stuff, which is really fun. And then. So let's go ahead and talk about the cartoon itself. It's a British animated television series produced by Cosgrove Hall Films. And Cosgrove Hall Films was located in Manchester, which is the town that I lived in in Britain when I was living there in the early 90s. I could have gone to visit their studio and I just, I didn't realize that they were there. (laughs) So I missed out on an opportunity. That studio is defunct since 2009, so you can't really have that experience again, but uh, unfortunately I missed out when I was there. <laughs> so Danger Mouse is a secret agent, and the show is a parody of British spy fiction shows, particularly the Danger Man series and James Bond. So it rig- originally ran from 28th of September 1981 to 19th of March 1992 on ITV, And there's been a reboot of the series that began airing in September 2015 on Canadian BBC. And I haven't seen that, so I don't know. But the main character is Danger Mouse. He's voiced by David Jason, who you might know from A Touch of Frost uh, TV series, British TV series. Oh, okay, yeah. Detective show. And he also did a guy on like a show called Only Fools and Horses which I think was the British sort of Sanford and Son kind of thing. <laughs> so I'm not really sure, but our, our Brit people will be able to tell us one way or the other. But he also did the voice of Mr. Toad in Wind of the Willows. So he's like a, a pretty accomplished guy. So he did this cartoon, Danger Mouse. Cool. And his buddy is Pinfold. Pinfold is a little hamster. He's, a, I think, a teddy bear hamster. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that thing is? Yes, he's a okay. hamster. The, he's voiced by a guy called Terry Scott, who was in a lot of the Carry On films, which will be familiar to British people, but probably not to us. Nope. Their biggest enemy is the Baron Silas Greenback, who is a recurring villain, and he is a toad with a wheezy voice. And he's like an evil, you know, bad guy. And he has a henchman who's a crow called Stiletto Mafiosa. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) They are so much fun. So their boss is Colonel K, who is like this typical, stereotypical British India kind of colonel with the Mm -hmm. big old walrus mustache and stuff. Okay. He's often mistaken for a walrus, but it was revealed... In an issue of Lookin' magazine, that he is in fact a chinchilla. <laughs> he once worked for the special branch, where he was known as Special K. <laughs> of course. <laughs> He's a champion piano thrower, a decorated judo expert, and Wait. the first to climb Mount Everest on a pogo stick. So did he's you like say a piano thrower? Piano thrower. Okay. Yes. So he's a really accomplished guy, and he's certainly. <laughs> Talented enough to be the boss of of Danger Mouse. So (laughs) let's talk about Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse is one of the world's greatest secret agents. And it's so secret that his code name has a code name. (laughs) (laughs) He speaks 34 languages, including some extraterrestrial ones. And he has massively varied skills. He can shatter metal with his voice. He can perform military-style push-ups on his index finger. And... (laughs) He, reached, he can reach a seventh level of meditation. He is a practitioner of the ancient art of Kung Magi. <laughs> <laughs> he is referred to as the White Wonder and the Wretched Rodent by his nemesis Baron Greenback, and his catchphrases include Good Grief and Penfold Shush. <laughs> <laughs> 
Penfold is a, is a timid little hamster and he's his assistant. He's often mistaken for a mole, but as we said, he's a hamster. He is just over half the height of Danger Mouse and he always wears thick round glasses and a crumpled blue suit. And he is his sidekick. He calls him Chief. And Penfold is a coward. He is codenamed the Jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> the Jigsaw? Yeah. His main catchphrase is, Crumbs, DM! And he says, <laughs> Oh, heck! He says, Oh, heck! Like that. And, Oh, fiddle! And he's just really, really funny. So we're going to play a little, little clip. The show is filled with puns. If Ugh. you like puns, you will love Danger Mouse. And this is just a sample of one of my favorite that I pulled completely from memory of laughing so hard at this particular <laughs> little joke. So they are they are investigating a an Egyptian tomb just to set the scene. Good grief. It's a secret chamber. Not secret enough for me. What's that? Oh, well, that's Anubis. But he's got clothes on, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a nudist. Anubis. It's the ancient Egyptian's god of embalming. I don't know about him. I'm balmy for coming down here. <laughs> don't be silly, Penfield. I mean, he can't hurt you. No, solid rock. Good grief. A hidden compartment. Good grief. It's it. It's the amulet of Egonophis. We found it. We are. <laughs> 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 oh, it's so silly. Oh, it's so silly. And they have a flying car, and they're just the best thing ever. So. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Danger Mouse. Cool. That was a special request by our listener, Tiff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A few months ago, she was like, if you guys ever do an episode about mice, you have to talk about Danger Mouse. So that was for her. Well, when you were on Slack talking to me, you said, I don't know, should we do Danger Mouse? I, I mean, we had our notes. We were getting together. And yeah. I was like, yeah, what do you mean, should we do Danger Mouse? And you were Mouse? like, duh. And then I was like singing the whole theme in the Slack window. <laughs> yep. He's the greatest. He's fantastic. <laughs> and Paul was just like, "Yeah, I have no idea what this is." Nope. It completely. I did. I didn't. I don't know if it was on my cable TV when I was growing up. I don't. Hmm. I, I think I just missed it. I just missed it. I don't think we had cable, so. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe we did. I don't think well, we did. But maybe we did. I don't know. I, I'm not a good. I'm obviously not a good witness for what was going on. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I didn't pay the bills, so I don't remember. <laughs> All right, here's this. Here's some jokey food and drink items which I've acquired recently. Each of them, I suppose, would go on a table or in the kitchen. So, uh, mice. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> How did I know that they were not going to be in the food box for you? <laughs> Ugh. I'm not a Roman emperor. I'm not going to eat something like that. Would you eat a mouse? I'm going to say no, but only for the reason that they're too small. Yeah, this, with something that small, you have to eat all the guts and the bones and everything. Can't yeah, really... and I'm not prepared to do that. Yeah. Even yeah. my cats won't eat them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they're like, no, I'll kill it, but I'm not eating it. Forget it. So. <laughs> Did you ever do the thing in school where they would bring in pellets from owls where they had eaten mice and that they would hack up the, uh, the, oh, the yeah. fur and the bones and stuff? Yeah, I do remember something like that. Yeah, yeah, so not even owls eat the whole mouse. Yeah, nobody eats the whole thing. Nobody it's... eats the whole mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure cats. I'm sure other cats would eat them. Mine were just spoiled domestic fatties that were like, you know, we're not eating that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> So I should have said this in our intelligence part of talking about how smart mice are or whatever, but I got to tell you, I had a cat that was 11 years old and had diabetes, so he had neuropathy in both of his back legs, so he oh, wasn't no. the best mover, all okay. right? And he had never caught a mouse in his life until we had our mouse infestation, and I mean... I don't know how smart they are, but they can't avoid a neuropathic, gimpy, 
elderly senior cat because he caught the heck out of those guys. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I don't know how intelligent they are, but they can't avoid a neuropathic, diabetic, limping, like barely alive cat. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about that in a little bit here. Donna, is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Mostly. Cool. Well, let's help everybody win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact of the week. Is this your homework, Larry? Look, man. Do, it- please. Okay, so I got a little quiz for you this week. Okay. And it's myths about mice. And these are pretty, I think they're pretty easy, but I, apparently they're very common myths about mice and people have some misconceptions about them and you'll probably get them all right. So here well, we go. Well, I had a mouse infestation, so... I learned a lot about them quickly at the time, so. Yes. But I bet there's stuff that I don't know. That's Maybe. Always, always happens. Let's start here with the first one. Cheese is a mouse's favorite food. No. We baited our traps with peanut butter. Yes. Mice are omnivorous. They prefer things like seeds and fruits and grains and peanut butter. In desperate times, they'll eat plant matter. They'll even eat each other. They'll eat cheese if you leave it out, and if you're a dirty person, but it's not their favorite food by any means. Yeah, they don't. They prefer it uh, just slightly over foam cushions. <laughs> All right, here's the next one. <laughs> this is ridiculous, but I guess people believe it. Hmm. Bats are actually flying mice. No. That's correct. They're not even rodents. Calling a, ma- a calling calling a bat a mouse with wings is kind of like calling a shark a dolphin with really sharp teeth. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not related. Okay, here's the next one. Mice are nocturnal. I believe that's so. Is that so? That's so, isn't it? Yep, that's true. <laughs> they're nocturnal, which means they prefer to search for food at night. And if you're hearing weird squeaks or rustling or gnawing once the sun is set. That could be an indication that you have mice living in your walls. Yes. Ugh. Okay, here's a myth. Mice are docile. Is that true or false? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to say no. That's correct. They're like any wild animal. If they feel trapped or cornered and they have no escape route, they will absolutely bite and claw and scratch to defend themselves. Hmm. Here's an interesting one. Mice have hollow bones. No. That's correct. Mice are known for being able to squeeze through some really tight spaces, and that started the myth that they have hollow bones, but they don't. What they don't have is collarbones. Yeah. So that they can squeeze through really tight spaces because they can just kind of squish themselves. I'd never heard the whole hollow bones thing. I just guessed. I'd never heard it either, but that was that was a new one on me. But yeah, no, they, they actually have solid bones. They just don't have quite as many of them. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mice only live in dirty homes. No. No, they don't. They have easier access to food and hiding spots in dirty homes, but if there's a clean house and it's next to a dirty house, they'll go to the clean house. So if you're a good housekeeper, you might create a less desirable habitat for mice, but that doesn't mean they'll never move in. If there's food available, they'll go where the food is. Right. So... Yeah. Okay, here, I know you're going to know the answer to this one. Hmm. Mice live alone. No. No, they do not. You're, <laughs> uh, if you have a mouse in your house, it does not live in a little, you know, nice doorway in your baseboard, and he doesn't have a little bed that's a sardine can and, and nice little furniture and a little apartment in your wall. Um, <laughs> I wish they did. <laughs> <laughs> like Tom and Jerry. No, they That'd don't do that. Cool. Little t- little TV in there. Here you go. Yeah, no, they live in groups, so if you see a mouse in your house, you can be sure that there are, you have mice, not just a mouse. Yes. Okay. You need to know the plural of mouse if you have one in your house. (laughs) (laughs) Which is nieces. Nieces. Okay, last one. And I know you know the answer to this one, too. (laughs) All you need to prevent mice in your house is a cat. No. No, that's, (laughs) that's completely false. Yeah. If yeah. you have mice in your house, you actually, you you need to get rid of them. They Did I get them all r- right? You got Did them all I right. Did I actually win? You won. Do I win a prize? Can I have a sticker? 
<laughs> yeah, I'll send you a sticker. <laughs> no, you got them all right. I figured you would. They're pretty. I win. They're pretty common sense. Oh, well, I thought I was gonna miss one, so I get a sticker. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'll tell you briefly the story of our infestation, since I keep talking about it. Yes, please. But I'll, I'll try not to carry on forever. So, when I was living in my other house. In about 2011, I think, we had some field mice come in through the house and, or to the house, and we couldn't find where they were coming from. So it turned out there was a hole from the outside that a cable cord had been run through at some point in the basement. And so there was a, there was a hole that was a clear shot from the outside of the house to the inside of the house. So they got in through a cable hole a cable drill yeah and they found it they found it yeah so we didn't we kind of didn't know that we had a a problem until my as i was talking about my elderly diabetic cat found one and he had never caught a mouse in his whole life so we had no idea what was going on he started screaming from the basement like that injured or upset or or distressed cat noise that they make Uh uh-huh So I was like, oh my gosh, one of my cats is hurt. And I went running downstairs to find him. And he was on top of the washing machine with his face covered with lint because that's where the mouse was making his bed in the lint lint trash can that we had in there. Oh my. And I was like, what's the matter, honey? And I took the lint all off his face and he had a mouse like hanging out of his jaws. Oh my. He'd never even seen one before, I'm pretty sure. So that talks about instinct, right? Because he was like, what is that? I'm going to kill it. <laughs> you know? And he was holding it in his mouth and he kind of, I could tell he didn't know what to do with it. And I didn't want him to eat it because they might have parasites. <laughs> I was like, put it down, kitty. No, no, don't put it down. It's you. Okay, good job, kitty. Good job. And he's like, what do I do with it? And he was just instinctually suffocating it and just killing it and I was like good boy good boy I'll give you a kitty treat if you put it down okay he's dead now put it down put it down (laughs) and (laughs) so we got through it but it was like really traumatic for both of us oh man (laughs) and but I rewarded him lavishly with cat treats and love and stuff and so he became the mouser in our house while we were trying to narrow down what was going on with these mice the other cat nah he didn't care he, he, a mouse could run past him and he'd go, whatever. I don't <laughs> you were not of interest to me at all. He just did not care. But but the diabetic, crazy old man was like, get him. I'm going to get him. <laughs> and I've got pictures of him that we called the Mighty Hunter with his, his mouse kill that he had or whatever. <laughs> so, But uh, anyway, so... After all that was done, I actually ended up having to take him to the vet to make sure that he hadn't gotten any parasites from any of these guys and 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 to make sure that his health was okay because mice carry a lot of diseases. Let me tell you what I discovered when we found the source of the problem. Okay. The mice had been making their home in the closet in the downstairs, like, craft slash guest room you know how you have like an extra room in your house that you're like bye we'll make it the guest room and it just ends up being the place that everything is put yep that you don't need right now (laughs) yep (laughs) it was that room and i went in and i was cleaning everything out and opened the closet and oh my gosh you would not believe the smell and the disaster they ate hundreds of dollars of embroidery floss oh no they destroyed foam cushions that I was using in crafting. They destroyed, I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of just craft supplies and stuff that we had shoved in there that they had completely shredded for bedding. And so I pulled a, I I sort of pushed this layer of shredded foam and all my expensive stuff all to the side, and there was a layer of mouse droppings. Like a thick layer of just mouse droppings all along the bottom. Oh of the my goodness! Closet on the carpet, and they'd peed all over the place, of course. And so they'd ripped up the bedding to make nests for their babies. And right. there were mice in there. Oh my gosh! I don't even know how many there were in there. It was awful. And oh, so dead, dead mice. A couple of dead ones, um, but not in the living area. The they don't 
you know, they're not, they don't hang on to their dead bodies or whatever. And that's not too bad because they desiccate fairly quickly in, in a dry environment. Mm-hmm. That's not really the problem. <laughs> I mean, it's gross, but the poop is like way more of a problem. So yeah. it was horrible. And uh, we we did have to get a, an exterminator to come in and, and deal with the problem. But And then plugged up the holes where they were getting in and it was all solved. But it is the nastiest thing you've ever seen. And I remember just talking to people about the real heavy infestations. We had a light infestation. It wasn't even that bad. There were maybe 20 mice or something in the house, which is, that's a lot. But it can happen, it can be like hundreds. Somebody was telling me that wow. they that when they were a kid, their brother decided to have a mice for, for a pet or something, and they ended up in the in the pantry, and their grandmother opened the door, and just like hundreds of mice fell out. Hundreds oh, of mice fell goodness. out. Oh, goodness. They can breed so quickly, and they just poop everywhere. I mean, they're not like... We've talked about other rodents that designate a part of their lair or whatever yeah. as the potty place. Not no, mice? Mice don't do that. No, they just... Oh. Anywhere. Wherever they are, it doesn't matter. That can so, really make you sick, too, that stuff. They really, really can. So I was going to talk about just uh, briefly the diseases that they carry. So sure. be really careful. And if you have mice in your house, if it's a lot of them, I mean, if it's a continuing problem and you're trapping them and you can't get rid of them, call a professional because they are super dangerous. They carry, ready? Go for it. How many diseases do you think they carry, first of all? Um, I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, 10. You're right around there. Seven is what oh, we have okay. listed. Oh, okay. Wow. That's still but a lot. They, they can carry uh, Lyme disease because of ticks. Salmonella. Oh. Whoa. And it is from rodent feces. Okay. Salmonella, which is deadly dangerous, by yeah, the way. Yeah, no, that's, that's horrible. Not, that's nothing to joke around with. Rat bite fever. What? That's, that's, that's not a real disease. Is it rat it bite is. fever is a disease? It is. It is bacteria in the mouth and nose of a rodent transmitted via bite or scratch. Oh, my goodness. Okay. This occurs worldwide, mostly in Asia, though. So, but still, got to be careful. Hantavirus. Okay, that causes, sounds terrible. Yeah, causes flu-like symptoms, renal failure, and severe respiratory distress. Jeez. Primarily carried by deer mice, which are not the mice that we generally get in our houses, but you you never know. There was an HV outbreak in 1994 that resulted in more than 50 deaths in 17 states. And Whoa. at least seven strains of this have been identified. Man. They carry typhus which gives you fever, headache, rash, respiratory attack. That's from a flea bite. Plague, we all know about. Those are from flea bites that are carried on various rodents. Mm -hmm. And they have, the last one is called pox rickettsial. Rickettsial. That's it's like three diseases in one. Pox, pox rickets. What was the last one? It's just called rickett, rickettsial. It's not rickets. Rickets oh, okay. is like a vitamin D deficiency or something. <laughs> this is, this is an actual bacteria. Okay. And it is transmitted by a house mouse, the, the field mice that come in your house. It's from the bite of a mite, which lives on the mouse. An outbreak of this disease occurred in 1946 in a housing development in New York, which were overrun with mite-infested mice. And it doesn't say how many people got sick, but... It was pretty serious. It is a lesion followed by a fever, headache, and rash. So, oh, my goodness. So yeah. the mice are carrying diseases, and then the, the things that live on the mouse are also carrying diseases. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my. I don't yeah. I don't think I like mice anymore. Yeah, ma mice are nasty, <laughs> nasty, nasty, nasty. They're nasty. Yeah. Oh. I, and rats probably carry a lot of these, too, which I don't think I knew when we did our show, but, I mean... I've never had a rat infestation, but I bet those are best, just as bad. So. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. If you have mice, take care of that. Yeah, don't. like Get that if, sorted. I think um, the situation I was in where you have a bunch of mice poop, there's that's pretty gross, and you might need to... I put on a mask when I was cleaning it up and used rubber gloves. So. Oh, that's good. I was going to ask if you had any ill effects from having to clean up after that. No, I put a particulate mask on and, and use rubber gloves and a strong, strong, strong cleaner. But 
I mean, I was dumb yeah. enough not to consult a professional right from the beginning, and I should have. I should have called the professional and been like, get over here and take care of this problem because it is really dangerous. Yeah, so. man, it's a good thing you did not get sick. I'm, I'm happy you made it through that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So ever since then, I have found it difficult to have much sympathy for mice. <laughs> <laughs> like, just get them out of my house. <laughs> And if your cat eats one, they need to go to the vet because they might have internal parasites that can can infect your cat. So. Right. Or your dog. I've I've known people whose dogs will kill and eat them as well. So. Oh sure. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. Yuck. 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 <laughs> oh, poor little cute deadly guys. <laughs> you guys are so cute, but <laughs> stay out of my house. <laughs> Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Varmints Podcast. As always, we're brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks, guys. And we're brought to you by the Patreon supporter. Thanks, everybody, for kicking in a dollar or two every month to the Blazing Caribou Studios Patreon. We really do appreciate it. And special thanks this week goes out to Josh Hallmark, the creator of the Karen and Ellen Letters Podcast. We used a clip of that to begin the show this week. One thing our buddy Josh works really, really hard at, aside from the other podcasts that he does, is promoting other independently produced podcasts like this one. And he does that through a campaign called Two Pods a Day, and we've been featured on it twice now, and we really, really appreciate it. It helps out a lot. So go to twopodsaday.wordpress.com. We'll put a link to it in our show notes. And remember to listen more, listen indie. This week on the Rugrat Corner, Zoe and Samantha have something to say about mice. I'm Zoe, and I'm 10 years old, and I'm from New Hampshire. I'm Samantha, and I'm 8 years old, and I'm from New Hampshire. And we're going to tell you what we know about mice. Mice um, are mammals, and they live in most places on the Earth, except for Antarctica. I'm not sure that about that. I'm pretty sure they live everywhere. but. And mice like to chew on things. Cats think mice are delicious. <laughs> and um and cats like to chase mice. Mice like to go into small holes. Um and, and our cat um ate a mouse in our living room and ate left the head on the floor. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye kids. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Zoe and Samantha. Thank you, Chief Executive Fish Nerd Clay Groves from the Fish Nerds podcast. Those were his kids. That was Thank awesome. Thank you for that gross story. Gross. <laughs> we might be able to classify this as a true crime podcast, this one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time. Be nice to animals. Even mice? No, get the mice out of your house. <laughs> okay. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. And we're brought to you by the Patreons. We're, we're, we're brought. The, the Patreon brought? Brr, brr, brr. <laughs>